Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello, and welcome to episode six. We've got a really juicy topic for you today. This is one that we could talk about until the cows come home. And it's something that both of us have had quite a lot of conversations with clients on. So we hope it will be really useful. And that topic is how to ask for a pay rise. So Pam, is this something that comes up often for your clients? Uh, this is this is something that comes up so much. And I think this is something that right now a lot of people are thinking that they want to do. So with the cost of living increases, people are taking on more responsibility because things like redundancies are happening and workloads are being split and shared. People are doing more work and starting to think that they would like to be paid a little bit more for the work and you know, the value that they, that they bring. So I think this will be a really good one to talk about today. Let's get stuck in with it. So the first thing that I think that you need to do when you, you want to ask for a pay rise, you need to start to think, first of all, about what's going on for you right now. Are you unhappy in your role? What's the reason why? And if it if it comes down to the fact that it is just about money, then that's kind of your indicator that it is the right time to ask about the, the money and the pay rise. So what you need to do to get the ball rolling is you need to go and research the market. You need to find out what other people are being paid in similar roles. You need to find out what responsibilities people have got in similar roles. And then you need to bring that research together and start to create your business case or your pitch for that pay rise. Because if you can pull all that together and you can say, well, look, this is what I'm delivering. This is what I'm bringing to the role. You might be able to put some real good numbers on that. If you work in sales or it could be cost savings, or there could be a whole range of different numbers that you can put against that. If you can do that, then that's great. And you can build, start to build your business case that you can then schedule a meeting meet with your manager talk them through it and put your put in your pitch really to to ask that additional money and it can really make a difference to life if you can get that extra money right now and you don't need to embark on a job search then that is going to save you whole loads of time and energy and you can stay in the company where you are happy but you just were missing that extra bit of pay so that is where I'd start if I was thinking about asking for a pay rise and where I advise my clients to start as well and I think the research phase can be quite tricky sometimes because people often will try and rely on job adverts and looking at what's being advertised. The difficulty with that is you don't really get a sense of how equivalent roles are. So you will see the same job title advertised with a huge range of different salaries against it. And mm -hmm. 
So research is more than just looking at what you're seeing elsewhere. It's often going to involve having conversations with recruiters. It might involve having conversations within your network. It might involve having conversations with other people within the business. And I think all of those things can put people off and make people feel a bit daunted and uncomfortable. The idea of talking about money is not a very British thing to do. (laughs) And so I think that's one of the things that often people hold back from having conversations. And yet that will give you far more of an understanding of what the market rate is for your level of responsibility whether that be for people, for budget, for costs, and will allow you to get closer to that comparison and an understanding of what might you command in the marketplace if you were to embark on the job search. Yeah, and the good thing about going to that next level of the research of having those conversations and speaking to recruiters and different hiring managers, then you're starting to build those relationships. You're starting to lay those foundations. But if the answer is no to your pay rise, then you've already started having those conversations and building those foundations. And then if it is a job search that that comes next, then it makes it that little bit easier for you. And with doing the research and understanding what you do, building the business case and demonstrating what you bring, then that will massively increase your confidence as well. So it's a no-lose situation. You will be able to get a real good understanding of what you're doing right now and the value that you bring and you will have started having those conversations and seeing what else is out there as well and I think often people hold back because they don't want to seem as if they are purely motivated by money so they feel a bit frustrated that either they've not had a pay rise for a while or they may have had one relatively recently but their job has changed considerably since so like you were saying if there's redundancies and responsibilities then are split or shared then roles can change quite significantly in quite a short amount of time and people don't like to be seen as being money grabbing or trying to take advantage of situations totally get that But I think your point there about it being a no-lose situation is so key because if you approach it in the right way and you ask the question, you know that it is only the pay that is the barrier to you feeling that you would really enjoy this role that you're currently in, then it makes far more sense to find the right way to approach it and get over yourself and ask for the pay rise than it does to go through that whole process of an external job search, potentially ending up working for a company you don't like as much or with a boss you don't like as much or in a situation that you don't like as much for the sake of having that awkward conversation. So I think probably even before you start the research, it's the mindset piece that says, I am going to do this and I'm going to go about it in the right way is such a crucial piece of the jigsaw. Yeah, So once people have done the research, then what? How would you advise them to bring that together and approach, get to the point of being ready to actually ask? 
Yeah, so I think starting to build your business case, what you want to have in there is all of the the things that you are currently delivering. So what you are doing in your current job, how that's different to maybe six months or 12 months previous, whenever the last pay review was, you might want to backtrack to that point. Or if things have changed significantly in recent times, then you might want to backtrack to the point just before you got the additional workload or, and then work, you know, work through that. So when I started in the role, I was paid X since, since I've started, these are all the really good things I've delivered. If you can put any numbers against them, amazing. This is all of the extra work I've taken on. You know, this is the extra responsibility I've now got. This is how I've developed because when you start in a role, you're going to be in that learning phase. And then as you grow into that role, you will naturally be adding more value so if you can also demonstrate your personal growth and what what you bring to the table and then also show that you've looked you know outside of your company what other companies pay for similar roles doing similar things and you can use job board to do that but like Jackie says having those conversations with people is invaluable so use LinkedIn leverage your network speak to people find out what are people being paid what are people actually doing day to day and then include some of that information in there as well so following your research these are the type of people that you've spoken to this is what they're doing day to day this is what they're getting paid and then ultimately want to finish it off with what you actually want what you would like your pay increase to look like or maybe whatever else that you are asking for at that point in time usually it is just about pay sometimes you might want to include some of the things like maybe more flexible working or whatever your proposal is that means you can then finish off that business case and say based on what I'm currently delivering these are the terms or the pay scale that I would like to move towards next and then you're going to finish that off with obviously I know you're not going to make the decision right now but can you take it away and speak to whoever it is and know that you're not going to get that decision there and then in that meeting. And it's interesting talking about flexible working because I think sometimes, again, going back to the mindset piece, if people know that budget is very tight, then they feel apprehensive about asking for more pay and sometimes an equivalent way to deliver that. And this is something that I did way back when was I actually negotiated a nine day fortnight so mm. I didn't get the 10% pay rise, but I was working for 10% fewer hours. Yeah. And that's another approach that can help you to feel that your contribution is valued. So sometimes it might not be that you need to negotiate the additional pay. It might be that it's the package as a whole and yeah. additional time off. I think the other thing I would say about the business case is that that process is really helpful in ensuring that you move away from some of the emotion around pay rises and particularly the frustration. Often, if you get to the point that you want to talk about a pay rise, then there can be frustration that you don't feel that you're being valued appropriately by the business that you're currently working for. And so that frustration, if you don't have that business case and you don't have that preparation and the data to back you up, that frustration can be the thing that comes across most and the thing that's noticed the most. And that doesn't set you in good stead to negotiate a pay increase because I feel like I should be given a pay increase because I don't feel very valued. It's kind of, okay, well, you don't feel very valued. 
unlucky, <laughs> but that doesn't give me enough of a reason to change that because you could say that getting paid more will make you feel more valued, but then you could be saying, well, in six months time, I want to be paid more. Whereas if you base it on not a case of how you feel and how you want to feel, but a case of the value you bring, how that compares, what the market rate is, you've got a much more solid footing to be persuasive because you're basing it on logic and data in that business case. So I think that's the other thing that doing a business case can do is help you to move away from that angst and frustration of how you feel right now and towards making it logical, making it appropriate to take your boss to take and advocate on your behalf. Yeah, I think definitely kind of removing that emotion, that doing that preparation really allows you to take the emotion out of it. And it's almost like a logical piece of work that you create that shows this is what I deliver and this is what I will continue to deliver. And this is how I would like to be paid moving forward. And it does, it makes it a million times easier as a manager when somebody comes to you with that pay rise conversation, if they can show why logically they deserve that pay rise and you can take it away and say, it's all here in black and white, this is why this person deserves a pay rise. There's no emotion involved in this. This is all facts and figures. It just makes it so much easier for you as the line manager and then for you to negotiate that with the powers that be, whether it's HR or a more senior leader to make that decision. I mean, that's what I respond when people come to me for pay rises. If they can really articulate why they think they deserve that pay rise at that point in time based on their research, then it's just, it makes it so much easier, doesn't it? Absolutely. So how would you advise somebody approaches that conversation then? So they've scheduled that meeting, they've got their business case ready to go into it. How would you advise that somebody actually approaches that conversation with a boss? I think you do really need to set the scene at the start and say, I've asked you to come to this meeting because I'd like to talk about my salary. I've gone away and done some research on what I think the market rate is for this role. And I just wanted to talk you through exactly what I'm doing right now and why I feel at this point in time, I deserve a pay rise and then take them through all of your research, what you've come up with, what you've found. And then I'd kind of end it by saying, what are your thoughts around it I wouldn't always expect them to have thoughts because it's usually not their decision or they'll want to go away and think about it but you want them to say right okay I'm going to take this away for you because I can totally see where you're coming from and I suppose if you don't get that response then it's almost like okay well what else would you need to know or to understand in order for you to take this conversation to the next level? What else do you need to know? Because there could be something that you've possibly missed in your research or something that they might not have properly understood. So you can ask them what else would you need to move forward on my behalf and see what they come back with. I think absolutely. It needs to be quite simple and clear in that conversation but also you've got to be open to listening and understanding their perspective because there may yeah. be things that you haven't thought of. There may be ramifications if they were to offer you the pay rise. There may be things that were already in the offing that you're not aware of. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's really key is keeping that first bit quite simple. And then, like you say, not having the expectation that this is a kind of 
it's not just a one meeting conversation in most instances that's getting yeah. the ball rolling it's getting to understand are you on the same page is there the same understanding and sometimes it may be do you know what and I've been in this situation as a boss you know do you know what I totally agree I can see exactly why you feel that I can see why you could command a higher rate but my hands are tied and there is nothing I can do and if that is the case then like you say, at least you've done that prep work, you've got that understanding. And if that's a deal breaker, then you can be looking elsewhere. Yeah. But at least you've got that that knowledge and that understanding. And I think the less emotion that you bring into that meeting and the more straightforward it is, and then opens the conversation rather than expects it to be a complete conversation. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So what would be the summary then if somebody's in that situation and they're thinking about whether to approach and and ask for a pay rise? What would be your kind of takeaways for what they should do? So I think the first thing that you would need to do is really get into the right mindset. Think about the reasons why you want the pay rise right now. Is it because you're really happy in the current position and it is just the pay that's the issue? Or is it time to move on for another reason? And then starting to research the market. So what are people being paid in similar positions? What responsibilities have they got in similar roles? And then start using that as the basis for your business case to then sit down with your line manager. So the next thing would be to schedule the meeting to make sure that they know they are going into a meeting to talk to you about your salary. You don't need to give them all of the details, but they do need to know that you want to discuss a pay rise or your current salary and your current responsibilities and then sit down with them and basically pitch your research, your proposal to them and keep all of that emotion out of it and just keep it really logical and use as many facts and figures as you can and then stop and ask them what are your thoughts open the floor for them perfect so we're moving on to our career clinic section now which I feel flows so nicely from that discussion (laughs) so somebody is asking I've been in my current role for eight years And I know that I'm underpaid. The company hasn't invested much in my development. And I know that I really need to move on. The problem is, as soon as I start to look at my CV, it just feels so bland. How do I get over myself so that I can start my job search? So job search coach, over to you. (laughs) Yeah, this is the good one for me to answer. Okay, so there's a lot going on there. But I think the first thing I say to all of my clients when they come to me and there's all of this stuff going on and all of these feelings going on and they don't know what the next move looks like and they don't know where to turn and they don't know if it's right to make a move and all of this good stuff that all of these stories that your brain tells you. So What I always say is start with your CV. Updating your CV is going to be the most important thing you do at the start of this process. You might look at your CV and think, oh, it looks really bland. But actually, that's just because you aren't tailoring it to the jobs that you're looking for. So if you go and do a little bit of research and find out what type of jobs do I want to apply for? Do you already know or do you need to think about the things that you love and you hate and all the rest of it? And then think about what jobs are potential options for you. And then once you get hold of those job descriptions, you can start going through them and thinking, is that in my CV? How have I demonstrated that in my CV? Now, nine times out of 10, you won't have demonstrated this at all in your CV. And this is why your CV will probably feel 
more on the bland side. So if you can go through those job descriptions and obviously only add the stuff that you've done and that you've got experience of, but if you can look at that and think, okay, well, I've done that particular thing. How do I add that in? to my CV where do I put that in and you need to go through the entire CV and pull out all of the key things that are based on the jobs that you're looking to apply for so if you look at a role purpose when have you done those things in previous roles and how can you bring that to life now once you start doing that what you'll find is your CV will come to life and so will your confidence confidence is like a muscle we need to keep working that muscle if you've just left it to go to the wayside it's going to need some training and as you start going through what you've done and remembering all of that good stuff and adding it in, you'll start getting really excited and your confidence will naturally start to rebuild. So that is always the first thing that I say to people, you know, if you are having a bad time, feeling a bit down about your whole work situation, updating your CV is the first place to start. It's a really interesting one as well, because I see this from the other side. So where you are a job search coach and work with clients on creating a great CV and landing the interview, a lot more of my experience has been on the recruiter side in-house. So seeing CVs and then seeing candidates, and I think there's a couple of things that I would say from that perspective. So one is when you're updating your CV, do not just update your most recent role. It stands out a mile when everything before has just been condensed a little bit so that you can create a space for the role that you're currently in. And those CVs never pop in the same way as when somebody has refreshed the whole CV. You can you can see it as a recruiter. Mm. And then I think the second thing is so vital that bit you were talking about about confidence being a muscle so that question has come from somebody who sounds as if they're probably frustrated you know a bit beaten down where they are they know that they're not happy but they're maybe not entirely sure what that next move might look like and that's such a common situation and as a recruiter when somebody comes in front and you can see that they're passionate about the roles that they're applying for and they really want to bring their experience and tell you about kind of when they've done this in other roles and how they can really make a difference, that's very different than somebody who is kind of there and is kind of like, you know, I don't feel very motivated where I am. I'm not. And people will do that at interview. Mm. They will kind of sit there and tell you you know, this is, this is why I want to make a move is because my current company hasn't invested in me and, you know, they haven't developed me and I'm frustrated and all of that may be true, but in terms of landing that next job, it's about building that confidence and knowing what you want to do and what you want to be a part of in that next role. And I think, that's so crucial from what you were describing there. And it's absolutely right what you're saying about refresh the whole CV and not just the summary and the first role or whatever, because if you don't, if you do just do that, it is really noticeable. And just before this, before we started recording the podcast, I was doing a CV consultation with a client and 
we were going through her entire CV looking for where she had impacted employee engagement because that was what the role was all about. And all of a sudden it went from just being bog standard CV to as you're reading through, you can really see that employee engagement theme throughout her CV. In every single job, there's been an element of employee engagement. She's built on that. She's learned from it. And she, you know, she's got it to the point where that is something that she calls a real, real area of expertise. So it does really make that difference. And nobody really ever teaches you how to write a CV. And nobody ever really teaches you about how to progress your career. It's something you just kind of get stuck in with and where it goes and what happens along the way. So, you know, using these things to really make yourself stand out will massively put you ahead of all of the other candidates because you will go into that process feeling confident. And with a CV, that makes you stand out from everyone else. Think about your CV as selling you and your experience throughout your whole career, not just the last job. You want to be looking at the last 10 years realistically. And I think that's invaluable advice to ask yourself that question. If I'm going for a job where, for argument's sake, cost control is really important, where have I shown that in each of the jobs that I've done in the last 10 years? And your CV is going to stand out so much more than somebody who hasn't taken that theme and asked themselves that question and made sure that it's there. So it's a really yeah. simple but actionable way to massively change how your CV is going to land in front of hiring managers. Yeah, definitely. Love that. You know, I could talk about CVs all all day. (laughs) Let's move on to our book review. So today's book review is on The Chimp Paradox by Professor Steve Peters. Now, this is one that didn't really land well for me. I totally understood the concepts and it I did learn something from it but it didn't really like it didn't really land for me as as much as it did for you Jackie so I'm going to let you talk about the chimp paradox today and it's an interesting one because I think this is quite a marmite book so I know people that have said this has literally been life-changing for them and people that very much like you are kind of like yeah it just didn't land and I had to push myself to read this because so much of the work that I do with clients is around mindset. It kind of was one of those books where it was more a case of a feel I should have read this. And then Mm. once I'd pushed myself to get through it, I was like, okay, there's some really good stuff. So for those that aren't familiar with it, the concepts that are introduced in this is very much simplifying the way that different parts of your brain work and understanding how and why self-sabotage, emotional hijack, those kinds of things happen. So the idea being that you have two kind of aspects of your brain. You've got your rational, logical brain that makes good decisions, makes decisions based on data. Um, And then you've got your chimp, which is the immature part of your brain that kind of rears its head and gets in control sometimes when it really shouldn't be trusted to be in control. And the the kind of fundamental thing that I think is a really great takeaway from this book is that we all have a chimp and that it's not our fault that our chimp acts up, but it is our responsibility to understand how to manage our chimp better. And that's the fundamental basis for personal and professional development is that when you have this situation where you get emotionally hijacked, where you self-sabotage, where you do things that maybe feel there in the moment, you know, that are reactions rather than responses, that having a way to notice that 
and understand why it's happening and be able to manage it better will allow you to perform at a higher level in whatever aspect. So Steve Peters, who wrote it, has done a lot of work with elite sports, with the British cycling team. So he's kind of coming at this from that perspective of helping people to understand how their brain works in order that they can perform better. So from that aspect, I would say it's a great takeaway, but it's probably not one that is necessarily going to land for everybody and feel like it's a page turner and it's one that you want to keep reading. I think that was a perfect summary. (laughs) So thanks for that, because I think it is good to kind of hear when a book doesn't land with you, sometimes you can hear someone else's view of it and think, oh, maybe I might give that another chance or maybe I might look for something similar. Yeah, there's definitely others. And we will cover other books related to kind of mindset and performance in future episodes. I've got a whole stack of them. <laughs> and I know likewise for you. So we will yeah. come to others. But yeah, it's that 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 concept I think is really helpful. But in terms of kind of how the book reads and how easy it is to read, you've really got to kind of judge that for yourself. So maybe kind of, you know, pick pick it up, start reading, see whether it's landing for you. If it is, then great, go for it. But if not, don't worry, we'll have other recommendations in future episodes. So speaking of which, that brings us to the end of this episode. We would love it if you would give us a review. We do read all of them. And if you head to careerandleadershiprealtalk.com, then you can sign up to be notified when new episodes land, which means that you are the first to know when the episodes are out each week. Thanks for joining us. And we will be back with the next episode next Monday.